What if, with the right mindset, anything is possible? Join us now and find out how. It's time for the Million Dollar Mindset with Marla Tabaka. Join us as successful life coach Marla Tabaka is here to inspire you and her clients to explore, discover, and live your dreams by developing what she calls the Million Dollar Mindset. Today, Marla is here to inspire you to take action on your dreams and reveal secrets to success that will help you realize your own unique power with the Million Dollar Mindset. Today, she'll share heartwarming stories, teach you tips and tricks to building a successful business, plus how to unlock the secrets to creating a happier, more balanced life through abundant thinking and attraction power. It's the Million Dollar Mindset. And now, here's your host, Marla Tabaka. Hey, I hope you had a fabulous weekend. I know I did. I spent the weekend, well, Saturday night anyway, with some new friends. And you got to love that. Some new and awesome friends. And, uh, you know, I, I just enjoy when that happens so much. New and old friends are just amazing. So I hope that your weekend was just filled with fun as well. And I can't believe how close these Mondays are becoming. But I love it because I also love to be here with my friends listening to TogiNet and uh, talking about the things that I think are really important in life and especially small business. So today's topic is is really critical because, well, I'm wondering if, if you have any idea, if you've ever really stopped to think, this is why I do what I do. Have you ever stopped to think about how heavily our economy relies on small business? You know, you think small business and you think the, the, you know, the guy sitting in his home, he's an accountant, he's behind the computer all day, but that's not what small business is. We're talking people with 500 and fewer employees, okay? And there are a lot of measurements to it, but that's kind of the most standard measurement. And we're also looking at micro businesses when we say this, that those businesses with just a few employees and and uh, sole proprietors as well, those businesses with no employees. Our economy relies on these businesses from micro to small, to medium, small, to big, small, if that makes any sense. And yet, the five-year survival rate is really and truly dismal. Get these statistics. Now, these are the, for the U.S. only. And, and for you listening out there who are in other countries and have uh, similar types of stats, I'd love to see them. But I did not do the research on other countries. I just did it for the U.S. And uh, listen to this. According, This is according to the SBA's Office of Advocacy. About half of all new establishments or business survive five years or more. And, you know, that, that you think, well, that, that's okay. But only one-third survived for 10 years or more. And in 2011, according to the uh, U.S. Census Bureau data, there were 5.68 million employer firms in the United States. And businesses with less than 20 workers made up 89.8%. Now, if you add the number of non-employer firms or sole proprietors, as we call them. There were 22.7 million in 2012, and the share of U.S. businesses with fewer than 500 worker increases to 99.9% if you add that number in, okay? And the firms with less than 20 workers increases to 98%. 
So think about it. These small businesses that you see out there, these insurance companies and accounting firms and places like this, chiropractic offices, restaurants, these little businesses with fewer than 20 employees are responsible, when you really think about it, for 98% of our employment. And that money is what being, you know, fed back into our economy. Without small businesses, <laughs> unemployment would obviously be 98%, not good. So we have to have these businesses for our economy to survive. And even the sole proprietorships are critical because they employ contractors, manufacturing firms, they support a household, they put money back into our economy too. And yet, only half survive for five years and only one-third survive for 10. That is really scary. So we've got this cycle going where we have new businesses, even though the rate of small businesses is actually dropping, uh, the rate opening, launching small businesses is actually dropping. We have these new businesses, you know, kind of launching and these things that are happening. And you look at this as sort of a way that's going to support our future economy. And yet... They're falling apart. So, you know what? I believe, I really believe, and again, this is why I do what I do, coaching small businesses, business owners. I think we can make that number substantially smaller. Now, I'll agree that many businesses are not meant to survive. It's sort of like the survival of the fitness out there, okay? People with ideas that are not sustainable, they're just not great ideas, or they're not going to stay, they're not things that we'll need for long, they're kind of a fly-by-night kind of success or idea that can sell. And people who know how to provide a service or make a product but do not know how to be and will not open their minds to learn to be entrepreneurs... These people, along with people who just have plain old bad luck, are going to fail. And, and I don't think, again, it is a survival of the fittest kind of scenario. I don't know that there's any cure, if you will, for that. But there are so many types of failure that can be prevented. And it's tragic when you see a very promising business, very promising entrepreneur just kind of go to the wayside when when it could have been prevented. In fact, with 12 years of coaching entrepreneurs under my belt, I can confidently say that many of these failures can be avoided. I can promise you it can be changed. And, you know, I see the same mistakes over and over and over again. And what's funny is each new entrepreneur or each person who comes to me is convinced that somehow they're going to be the exception, that they, they can make these mistakes and it's going to work for them. Why? Because passion and ego are blinding. We get what we think are these great ideas. It's going to work for us and nobody can tell us different. Now, how do I know that? I'm not just basing this on what I see in my entrepreneurs and my clients and entrepreneurs everywhere. I'm basing it on my own experience. I did it too. I did it too. I, you know, I bought a coffee house 
and the previous owner just wasn't making it work. But all I had to do was increase sales by twenty percent and keep the the um, keep the cost of goods low, and I could support my household. And then I would take it from there and make this business just like this huge raging success. Now I came close. I did okay. I worked really hard, and that coffee house grew to just you know into an amazing business. But I couldn't just couldn't quite make it work and yet I I had all the you've heard me tell this before I've had all these accountants say no no you can't do this don't do this I've had I had people say really Marla how are you going to make that work the passion for my mission was so blinding that I let ego get in the way and it was financially devastating financially devastating. So don't get me wrong here. You have to have that passion to succeed. You have to have a vision. You have to have a purpose. I mean, my purpose for my coffee house was that I wanted to grow community in my town, especially the south end of the city I live in, because at the time it was all transient executives, okay? So people didn't have community. They didn't have places outside of their house to call home, artists, musicians, um, people who just wanted a place to talk and to relax and to enjoy a great cup of coffee and great company didn't have a place to call home. And, and I felt so strongly about it. And that passion was strong and it's what, it was my driver. It's what made me move. It's what made me tick. But I let ego get in the way. And in order to succeed, you have to know how to set that ego aside and look at the facts and operate out of passion, yes, but also understand the facts. So today, we're going to look at the top seven startup blunders that I witness over and over and over again. They're crippling. They drive people to bankruptcy and um, they just stop businesses in their tracks. Now, some of them, um, happily, many of them, can be either overcome or prevented in the first place. And that's what we're here to talk about today. How can we avoid these and also avoid ending up just another sad statistic, falling in that 33.33 percentile of success can be easier if you go in with your eyes wide open and... um, and setting the ego aside and understanding where to put that passion because there's a specific place for the passion. It has a purpose, but you cannot allow it to be blinding. So today's show is not just for startups, even though I'm saying these are startup mistakes or blunders, is also for people who are in business. See how many of these seven really resonate with you, how many you find yourself doing. And we can help you to change that. And we can help you take your business to the next level by eliminating these behaviors, by changing behaviors, by adding um, adding processes into your business that aren't currently there, by educating you, by helping you to understand what you want to do to to go out and um, do your market research and, and understand what people want. And by making choices 
that are much, much, much healthier than some of the choices that you're probably making. And so some of these are really, really easy and um, can really save you from taking that, that horrible turn into another sad statistic. So as usual, you don't have to really take notes today because I've got this article up on Inc., and it went live this morning, and it is called Seven Devastating Startup Mistakes to Avoid. And you'll find that over at incinc.com slash author slash Marla hyphen Tabaka. And you'll find me at marlatabaka.com. So if you have some input or a story around this, I'd love to hear from you. As, as always, I really do enjoy hearing from you. So send that my way. When we get back from this break, we're going to talk about the first one. Stop taking it so personally for crying out loud. We'll be back from this break in just a minute. Unlocking the secrets in you to create a happier, more balanced life through abundant thinking and attraction power. It's the Million Dollar Mindset with Marlon Tabaka. And we'll be right back after these. The Woohoo Radio Network presents the Diva Download with Tracy and Tasha. If you think Diva is all about attitude and drama, think again. The Diva Download is the premier online radio program where girls of all ages, shapes, sizes, and colors get together to redefine what it means to be a diva so that all girls can discover their inner diva and develop a healthy sense of self-worth and self-esteem. Being a true diva means you're diverse, involved, value-driven, and active. That's today's diva. If you want to celebrate the girl in your life through education and encouragement, empowerment, and entertainment. Join us every week on Tuesdays from 6 to 7 p.m. Central Standard Time and celebrate the essence of being a girl only here on the WooHoo Radio Network. Welcome to The Quip with Miriam Nicole Huffman, a modern woman's guide to styling her faith, family, and finances. The online radio show dedicated to today's positive, purpose-driven woman who's ready to heal her heart, her head, and her household by realigning with what she values most. If your highest values are faith, family, finances, and freedom, you're in the right place. Host Miriam Nicole Huffman is a woman on a mission. Her mess to success journey has taken her from life as an upper-middle-class stay-at-home mom to a broke single mom to living a life of joy and wholeness as she builds a thriving business while raising her healthy, happy family. Every week on The Quip, Miriam Nicole shares her love, life, legal, and lifestyle success secrets. Whether it's wisdom you're seeking, inspiration and motivation from someone who's hit rock bottom and risen to success, or you want to know how to fully align your faith, family, and finances to create more freedom for yourself, you're in excellent hands with Miriam Nicole. Check out past shows by clicking on the podcast player to the right or check our recent guests in the blog below. Got a question for Miriam Nicole? Want to be a guest on her show? Email us at thequip at miriamnicolehuffman.com and join us every Thursday at 2 p.m. Central Standard Time only here on the WooHoo Radio Network. 
Welcome back to the Million Dollar Mindset. If you're ready for a big change in your work, your career, your happiness, your life, it all starts with attitude, and Marla is here to help. It's the Million Dollar Mindset on Toginet.com. And now, back to your host, Marla Tabaka. So, okay, we're going to break into these seven devastating startup blunders that I see entrepreneurs make all of the time. They're, they're really very quite common. And the first one is taking it personally. You know, when you pour everything, your heart and soul into your business, you're putting all of your creativity, your passion, your time, and yes, your money, the lines between the business and who you are as a person can become really, really blurred. And you start to think that you are your business. You go to a network meeting and say, hi, I'm Larry Jones. I, uh, I own the X, Y, and Z firm down the street. And, you know, people ask about you and you answer, well, yeah, in my business, right? Okay, we're all moms, dads, siblings, spouses, ch- children, friends. You know, there are so many things we are before we are our business. Remember that. You are not your business. I'm going to say that again loud and clear. Listen up. You are not your business. So stop taking everything so personally. So, for example, when somebody says no to you, no, we're not interested in your product. No, we don't need your service at this time. Or you make a mistake and you take it really personally, meaning, oh, I'm such an idiot. I'm such a rotten person. You know, everybody makes mistakes. Or an employee walks away. Somebody quits. Or people give you input that you're not ready to hear. Remember, this is not you as a person that they're talking about. I'm sure if they would, any one of those people who are giving you this input, if asked, they would say, hey, Larry's a great guy. He's awesome. He's this, he's that, and the other thing. Here's what I have to say about his business. His business is not Larry. And, you know, it's not about you. If you can understand this, you're going to make smarter decisions, right, because you have less of a chance of being wounded. You're going to take greater yet smarter risk. And you're going to spend less time licking those wounds and more time making money. So I know it's not easy, but if you continue to take your perceived rejection so personally, it will be a real blow to your self-esteem. And I've seen entrepreneurs become angry, even really, really, really bitter because they can't handle what they think is rejection, what they think is personal rejection, okay? Yeah, somebody might reject your idea. Somebody might reject your service or your product. And you have to remember that more than likely, it's just because of where they're at in their lives. It's not about you. It's about them. Remember that. And um, grow a tough skin. You know, authors have to have a really tough skin, for instance. When you submit those book proposals, oh, my gosh, you're going to get 100 no's before you might come to a maybe. And yet, that doesn't stop you, ideally, from knowing that your book has promise. Okay, so it's got to be the same thing for entrepreneurs. So next time you feel wounded or hurt, ask yourself this, is it about me or is it about my business? And get those lines uh, in place. You know, don't let those lines be blurred. Get them in place. This is where I begin. This is where I stop. This is where my business begins. We have to know that. 
And I'm talking, yes, even you artists out there, yes, you musicians, you painters, everybody, there is a separation. Even when your creativity and your concepts come from so deep down inside that they are a part of you, once they become, they are no longer a part of you. Understand that. Understand the difference. Okay, number two is really important and just, oh, I don't know. It's just staggering to think about how many people do this. Let me just say this. The majority of people who come to me have made and are making this mistake. The mistake is underestimating expenses and ignoring numbers. Numbers are the heartbeat of your business. Think about it. You can't fix it if you don't know how broken it is or where it's broken. When I help my clients understand their numbers, they feel more in control. They make better decisions, smarter decisions, decisions that will help the company grow and even have a renewed sense of hope. Even when those numbers are bright red, okay, that bottom line number comes up bright red, they can have a renewed sense of hope. Here's why. Because numbers tell important stories. Listen to those numbers. And the path to success is going to be much more obvious. It's going to be much clearer. When, when I give my new clients the homework to run their numbers and, and I help them understand what those numbers mean, they may feel down. They may say, oh, this is just, wow, I never had any idea. But... I also hear them saying, but now I know what to do. Now I understand what's working. Now I think I know how to fix it. And, and so that depression, that sadness becomes hope and, and even some sense of joy really, really, really quickly. Now, let's talk about projections for a minute. People get really confused by projections. You know, those numbers that you pull out of a hat to see how successful you can maybe become someday, right? Yes, they are confusing because in most cases, they are simply conjecture. But here's what happens. People begin counting on the projections and ignoring other reports. Why? Because nobody ever projects that you're going to go bankrupt, right? You never do a projection and say, well, yeah, in, in one year from now, we're going to be so far in the red that, you know, we're never going to be able to take it. No, you do projections and you see nice, exciting numbers. And so they just keep looking at those projections saying, yep, this is where we're going. Yep, this is where we'll be in a year from now. Projections aren't necessarily true. In fact, they're very, very rarely true. Okay, they are just there to give you an idea of how things can go. If everything falls right into place, if you hit all of your metrics, all of your marketing metrics, all of your your revenue metrics, all of your employee metrics, if you hit absolutely everything, that's where you can go. It also gives you a goal. It shows how promising your business can be if they're done correctly. That's all they're about. Okay, they're there to help others primarily, not even you, see the potential of your business. But let's face it, to get to that point, you have to have money to begin with. Every minute of every day costs money when you own a business. Every second you breathe, even while you're sleeping, costs you money when you own a business. 
And when you determine a startup, a budget for your startup, double the amount of money you think you need, at least ideally triple it. And if you don't have that, uh, you might go back to the drawing board. And there are a lot of different ways to launch your business without the amount of money that you think, well, without the amount of money that you're going to spend. Let me put it that way. People think they need too little, but they spend too much. If you don't have enough money to start up, then don't do it, okay? Now, with that, remember, startups, a true startup, a bootstrapped startup often launches on a shoestring budget, but they have an extremely aggressive goal and they have a number of people in place to get them there. And then they know exactly where they're going to go for funding. So it's a little bit different when you're talking bootstrapping with a big, mostly tech idea. These are mostly tech companies that can do this. Uh, Between that kind of a business and, um, you know, maybe you've invented something that you think is cool or maybe you're, you know, opening a restaurant or a massage therapy business or something like that. Very different. Okay. So number three, big, huge mistake. And we could talk about this one for a very long time. We're going into break in just a couple minutes. So I'm going to start and continue this one when we come back. Not understanding the role of an entrepreneur. Okay. So... Here you are, you've got this great idea for a very complex, multi-tiered app, okay? Or um, you think you are going to design this incredible website, whether it's a retail site or an e-tail site, I guess, or a um, membership site or an informational site, and you think you're going to attract uh, you're going to attract advertisers. You know, there's so many different things out there, examples out there, but you think you know how to do this, okay? Well, that's great. Okay, and so there you are. You're coding, you're implementing, you're, you're pulling everything together. That's great, but you're still not an entrepreneur. You're still a technician. You're still somebody who's out there wearing a lot of hats, doing a lot of work, not running a company. So what's the difference? And, and yes, when you start out, odds are you will be wearing a lot of hats. But at some point, you have to step back and step into those shoes of a CEO. Okay? There's a big difference between a CEO, founder, entrepreneur's activities and a technician's activities. And the question you want to ask yourself is, is what I'm doing right now truly a revenue-producing activity. So when you're keeping the books or you're doing some mundane task, you're not, you're not working like an entrepreneur. Even when you're in there doing the coding yourself and you're doing your website updates yourself and you're um, posting all of your blogs yourself and you're doing you know, all your social media yourself, those are not the activities in the, of an entrepreneur. As a founder... You need to be able to articulate your company's purpose along with a clear and concise vision. You need to know why you're there. I'm going to talk more about this in a minute, so stay tuned. We'll see you back here very soon.
Unlocking the secrets in you to create a happier, more balanced life through abundant thinking and attraction power. It's the Million Dollar Mindset with Marlon Tabaka. And we'll be right back after these. I am not the woman I used to be. I'm free with Minister Diane Jones. Monday nights at 10, 9 central on Toginet. This is your chance, ladies, to hear stories of hope and healing from someone who's been there. Someone who has fought back from the horrors of incest. Minister Diane's innocence was stolen from her in the land of alcoholism and mental illness, which led to her being emotionally, physically, and sexually abused by her parents. Yet in spite of this trauma, she has gone on to become a successful wife, mother, registered nurse, and minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm not the woman I used to be. I'm free. It's a straight-up show to enlighten you and to lighten your load. Do not let the weight of this world or the things that have happened to you control your life. For more on the show and Diane and her book, The Story of Me, email her directly from her show page here on Toginet. Then, join us for I'm Not the Woman I Used to Be. I'm free with Minister Diane Jones. Monday nights at 10, 9 central on Toginet.com. Have you heard? The pages of American Patchwork and Quilting Magazine come to life on our new weekly online radio show, American Patchwork and Quilting. Join Pat Sloan, our blogging and quilt designer host, as she talks about the latest trends, ideas, and inspirations. Her guests include quilt pattern designers, authors, quilt shop owners, and our editors. All quilters, just like you. Call in with your questions. Get quilting tips from industry experts. Learn about free patterns. Hear behind-the-scenes stories from our magazines, American Patchwork and Quilting, Quilt Sampler, and Quilts and More. Get the scoop on free stuff and find out more about the best independent quilt shops in North America. To listen to a live show, tune in Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern. Just log on to allpeoplequilt.com slash radio. To hear past shows, go to iTunes and search for American Patchwork and Quilting Radio. We hope you'll join us because we know that quilting changes everything. Welcome back to the Million Dollar Mindset. If you're ready for a big change in your work, your career, your happiness, your life, it all starts with attitude, and Marla is here to help. It's the Million Dollar Mindset on Toginet.com. And now, back to your host, Marla Tabaka. And we're back here talking about the seven devastating mistakes that many entrepreneurs make, especially startup entrepreneurs. But actually, truth be told, most of the people that I coach have been in business for a little while, like two, three, oh, even seven, eight, nine, ten years, and they're still making these mistakes. But they are newbie mistakes. So there's really just no excuse for it. Um, so hopefully, I can help you here today to um, avoid some of these these just and they, I can't think of a better word. They are truly devastating mistakes because so many business failures can be prevented. And and one of the biggest ones really is not understanding the role of an entrepreneur and not stepping into that role at some point. And again, let's get clear in the beginning. Yeah, you may have to do a lot yourself. That's that's bootstrapping. That's that's struggling to get to the next level and it's okay. Ideally though, you want to have money to pay at least an admin person and at least someone to design your website for you and things like that because you're not an expert in those things. And even if you are, they aren't revenue generating activities. So ask yourself this question when when you're working, is what I'm doing worth $250 an hour? Because you're worth at least that to your company. Well, you're worth, uh, you can't even put a price tag on your worth to your company, right? So 
if it's not, if you're doing something you can pay somebody twenty dollars an hour to do, or even thirty or fifty dollars an hour, then that's what you need to do. Now, as an entrepreneur, you'll have to maintain a solid grasp on the processes and protocols in your business. Yes, um, that is until you have an HR department and a tech ops guy, and you know all of these people in place. If you hope to um, grow that big. You'll have to understand your company culture and the policies and and you'll have to be really, really sharp when it comes to partnership and growth opportunities. Make no mistake, you may be great at developing and delivering your product or service, but those are not the activities that will make you rich, okay? Those are not the activities that are going to make you a successful entrepreneur in the end. They're not what's going to provide that freedom to you that is like one of your top values. I didn't give you an example. I began coaching about six months ago with uh, two partners who launched a tech company, both of them brilliant. Both of them have their own set of skills and qualities that could be a perfect, perfect balance, and both of them, both of them were very, very, very caught up in working in their strengths. Unfortunately, their strengths were not those of an entrepreneur's. Okay, they were both technicians. We're going to do our own website. Nobody understands what we want. We're going to provide our service ourselves. We're going to work on this, this coding and this, these, um, you know, being service providers 24-7 because we don't trust anybody with our secrets. You know, nobody can do it right. Nobody's as smart as I am. Nobody's going to understand. Oh, baloney, baloney. Get out of your ego. Get out of your fear and hire people. And so I am happy to report that my two clients are finally understanding this, finally getting it, and they have finally brought on about seven people. And because of that, they've gotten funding. So it's, it's really exciting to experience that when, when an entrepreneur, when that light bulb goes off and, and they, these two kept kicking and screaming all the way, but they did it anyway, but the light bulb did go on and, and they finally realized, okay, okay, we're not in our right roles. We're not doing the right thing. And they're slowly letting go. And I understand how hard that is. And are you going to encounter problems? Yep. You're going to hire the wrong people? Yep. You're going to find somebody who's going to try and steal all your trade secrets? Yep. It's going to happen. But if you live under that blanket of fear, nothing will happen except failure. So understand what an entrepreneur does. Go out, get books, understanding the role of an entrepreneur, the role of a leader. Um, understand what your culture is. Understand what your purpose is and your mission and your values. Oh, my goodness. Those things are so important to growth because if you don't have those things in place, it's like you have no map and you won't know how to get to where you need to get to. And then you're going to be in a situation like one of my other clients is where she has this, this huge company and everybody is running in their own direction. And it's like she's in the middle with these, these awful ropes tied to, to you know her legs and her arms being pulled in a thousand different directions. That's because she didn't make the direction clear. She did not understand her own direction and what it takes to get there. 
So this new client is already showing progress in changing that and get, getting clear. So that's so important. Understand your role of an, as an entrepreneur. Okay, here's another one that, again, this is all about ego, right? Avoiding customer feedback. This is the fourth one. You've heard the saying, if it isn't broken, don't fix it. Mm-hmm. So things are going okay. You have okay sales. You know, you're selling, you're getting clients, whatever. It's not broken. So why would you ask for feedback? Because feedback can complicate your life, right? Feedback might mean more work. Feedback might mean a bruised ego. There's so many things that feedback could could mean to you on a personal level. So if it isn't broken, don't fix it. Well, I suppose there's some truth to that statement, but there's also a lot of danger because staying with that status quo is very short-sighted and may eventually lead to your company's demise for sure. Now, I want to express some difference here. You hear a lot of people say, in fact, I've been guilty of saying this without explaining what it means. I know I have in my articles. Find out what your customers want, right? I'll tell you what, Henry Ford did not do that. Henry Ford did not go out and ask the general public, okay, what do you want in terms of transportation? And here's a quote from Henry Ford. If I would have asked what they wanted, they would have said a faster horse, right? Because your customers and clients don't always know what they want because they are not visionaries. They don't have the ability to think like you do in terms of what is possible. They only know the status quo. So it's, it's okay to not ask what they want, but definitely get feedback on what can make it better. Definitely listen to your market's uh, feedback in, in terms of, well, gee, this is slow, or, or I'd like it if this did this, or wouldn't it be cool if it could do that? You know, analyze it. Don't jump on, and oh, goodness, don't jump on every bandwagon, okay, because you're going to get feedback that, again, tears you in a lot of different directions. Analyze it. Put it together. Do spreadsheets. Find someone who's really good at analyzing. Now, if your customers or your, your prospective customers love your brand or your idea, they're going to be eager to share their ideas and their thoughts. But some of the best feedback come from those who don't love your brand. Get prepared for that. Some of your best feedback, hey, I got an email this morning. It was great feedback. I spoke to this prospect on the phone last week, and I said, yes, I can help you. Here's how. Here's what we'll do. Here's the modalities we'll use, blah, 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 blah. Okay, one of them was EFT, the emotional freedom techniques. She happened to be an entrepreneur which makes her an even more ideal client for me, okay? But she wasn't coming to me for business issues. So she said, yes, yes, I want to start coaching with you next week. So today, her appointment was tomorrow night. Today, I get this email saying, you know, seeing what you do, and I don't think it's what I need. It's not, it's not right for me. I'm not interested in learning more about my business. My business is doing fine. Right, So that was great feedback because what does it tell me? It tells me that my website isn't doing a very good job in, in letting people know that um, this modality is there to help anyone who needs it. 
Okay, now, yes, I've niched, and that's the reason my website doesn't do that. that. So I did the right thing, but it kind of tells me I need another website because I do have several legs to my business, and the emotional freedom technique is a tool I use with a lot of my clients. However, while most of my clients are entrepreneur, the emotional freedom techniques is applicable to just about anyone who has a traumatic issue going on in their life, okay, or they're connected to a traumatic issue. So it's kind of telling me, okay, you need to get that EFT website, you know, up and running and and, um, doing a better job for you. It's up, but whatever. So it, it was feedback that said, ouch, because I lost a prospect. I lost a new client, yet, you know, I'm really happy about it because I heard something I really need to hear. So you may just be missing a huge opportunity by ignoring your customer and market feedback. So stow away those feelings and fears. Get yourself out there. You know, when I got that email from her this morning, at first, first it was like, oh, I know I could have helped her. This is sad. I'm positive I could have helped her. She's just misunderstanding what I do. She just doesn't get this other aspect of it. And I was all ready to write a letter, an email, and and defend all that and tell her. And and that felt really sad. And I thought, no, no, no. The timing is just not right for her because she didn't hear what I said on the phone. She did not hear me say how I can help her and that the fact that I'm a business coach is secondary to her needs. So she's not ready. And so I didn't push it. And I'm okay with that. And there's some relief here, okay, because now I know what I need to do. Now I've gained some greater clarity because she gave me this great feedback. So get those feelings and fears out of the way. Ask for the feedback. There are so many different ways you can do it. Just Google getting customer feedback. You'll find lots of things, social media surveys, personal telephone conversations, email feedback. Oh, my gosh. There's just so much that you can ask for out there. Now, I'm going to share something with you when we come back from this break about your competition. Okay? And it's something that is important for you to know. You've got to stop stressing out about your competition. Cut it out. Cut it out. Know that they're out there. There are some really great things that you can learn from them. But fearing them and stressing out and watching every single move they make is not a good idea. And when we come back from this break, I'm going to tell you why. So, again, you'll find me at MarlaTabaka.com. I'd love to hear show ideas or questions or comments from you. As always, feel free to reach out to me. We'll be back from this break in just a minute. the secrets in you to create a happier, more balanced life through abundant thinking and attraction power. It's the Million Dollar Mindset with Marlon Tabaka. And we'll be right back after these. Information about book publishing is power. The power to change your authoring life and the power to change the lives of your readers. So join us for Your Guide to Book Publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask with your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. 
Thursdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 Pacific. We'll hear about statistics, scenarios, and strategies on what to do now. As the book shepherd, Dr. Judith Riles is in. And each week, she will include publishing professionals that will reveal tips and secrets to the author's journey. If there is a book in you, you want to listen, learn, and yes, call in with your questions each week. For more on Judith and what she can do for you, check out her website, thebookshepherd.com. It's your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. Brought to you by Author You and The Book Shepherd with your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. Thursday evenings at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. Listen, something is brewing. The beautiful business evolution is coming. The way we do business is about to change for the better, forever. This is real business at its very best. On Beautiful Business Radio, you will learn what it means to truly prosper, how to nourish yourself and your business, how to earn what you deserve and make a difference in the world. The tide is rising. The change is here. Discover a new way to live, love, and partner with yourself and your business on Philippa Rollins Presents Beautiful Business Radio, where you matter and your business thrives every Tuesday at 3 p.m. Central Standard Time, only here on the WooHoo Radio Network. Welcome back to the Million Dollar Mindset. If you're ready for a big change in your work, your career, your happiness, your life, it all starts with attitude, and Marla is here to help. It's the Million Dollar Mindset on Toginet.com. And now, back to your host, Marla Tabaka. All righty. So we are on number five of seven devastating mistakes that uh, can drive your business to the ground and drive you batty personally, and uh, really cause some significant problems in your life and business. So I hope that you're finding these helpful. And uh, we're on number five, stressing out about the competition. I'll tell you a secret. I love coaching other coaches. I really do. I teach them my best secrets. I teach them skills. I share my passion and try to help them to find the core of their passion and understand why they want to do what they're doing and who they can help and how they can help them. And I help to, I just love helping to build their confidence. I love it when I'm working with a coach and he or she hangs just before they hang up and they say, wow, I'm ready. I can do this. I can do it. I'm going to go out and do this and that. You know, you just hear it in them. Oh my gosh, I love it. And you know what? I also learn from them. I feel inspired by them. I appreciate the added awareness they bring to the field of coaching, right? I mean, the more of us who are out there, the more the word is going to spread, the more people are going to understand the value of coaching. So do when a coach comes to me, do I say, oh, gosh, I'm creating competition for myself? No, I don't. I share everything. I tell them all. You know, in fact, I, I just advised one coach last week to go out and to learn EFT. She really, with her with her market, she really needed to, she needs to learn EFT or something like it. But that doesn't create competition for me because I'm secure. I know I'm good at what I do. And luckily, a lot of people know that. So I'm okay with that. And I just think there's there's room for everybody, really, even in a in a really tight marketplace. So you can learn from your competition too. But here's the thing. Study your competition. Don't fear them. 
don't be afraid that they're going to take your secrets or that they're going to beat you to the punch, okay? Just get out there and be your best self. Spending time obsessing over the competition is going to distract you and it's going to deepen your doubt and fear, okay? So watch them. Observe them. Don't copy them, okay? You are your own person with your own original ideas. But do something that's even better that comes from you. You know, I was thinking the other day about companies that have done these kinds of things where they go out and they copy the competition because it's working so well for them. And and one example is Southwest Airlines, right? Southwest started, gosh, I don't know, 20-some, probably maybe even 30 years ago. It's been a long time. And they started because they wanted to appeal to the 85% of the U.S. population who was not flying at the time, okay? If you remember that long ago, flying was still a stodgy activity pretty much exclusively reserved for business people and rich people who could take big fancy vacations. The rest of us were driving around, okay? So they wanted to change that. They wanted to get to the little guy and say, you know, you can afford a vacation too. You can travel for business too. And you know what? You don't have to wear a suit. You don't have to wear a dress. And, and, and it can be cheap and it can be fun. And it worked so well for them. They knew their market so well. They didn't stress out over the competition. They didn't care about their competition because they weren't the competition. And so years later, move the clock forward, United and I think it was Delta. United and Delta tried to copy Southwest. And they did exactly everything Southwest did. They got the same kind of airplanes. They tried to make it fun. They made it cheap. They only flew to a few specific cities. You know, they copied it. And they failed, both of them, within four years. Why? Because while they got that how and that what down, they didn't get the why done down. They weren't in it with the passion to appeal to the average everyday person. They were in it to take a market share based on their big name. It was wrong, and people felt that. It just didn't work for them. They weren't Southwest and could never be Southwest. Same thing applies to you, okay? You are not your competition. You are not your business, and you are not your competition. Go out there with your ideas. See the vision and make it happen without fear. Okay, we better move on because I only have about seven or eight minutes left here, don't I? All right, number six is choosing the wrong partners. Oi, okay. This is so sad and it's so destructive. An uncertain entrepreneur would just about sign his or her life away for the promise of success, but you know what? There are no promises. So don't choose your partners, whether it's a co-founder or an outside partnership, based on just a few exciting conversations. Okay, you sit down with somebody and they say, yeah, I know how to do this and I can do that and I can do that. And then you get into business with them. You sign the contract and they're total jerks, for lack of a better word, or you're just not compatible or, oh, my gosh, so many things happen. It's really and truly important when you're choosing partners to balance the skills and the personality types and the long term objectives, the vision the desires, the values, everything, okay? I have told clients no so many times I can't even tell you. When they come to me and they start making demands, well, if I hire you, I expect you to do this and this and this and this. And I say, no, that's that's not what I'm going to do. The expectations are all on you. 
Okay, they're all on you to perform. I'm going to help you. I'm going to inspire you. I'm even going to teach you. But in the end, the expectations are on you. Okay, don't be afraid to turn partnerships away. Don't be afraid to walk away from something that doesn't feel good. Check with your gut. Check your intuition. Understand what it is that you're looking for. Um, I have actually gone into partnerships because the idea sounded so exciting. And I've done it a couple of times. And, of course, they didn't work out because both times I've known that it wasn't right. Both times I felt like something was wrong and maybe not immediately. Well, in one case I knew immediately, but in, in one case I said, well, let's, let's go on with this a little while further and see how it feels, see how it works out. And I didn't follow my intuition. And I got in, you know, thankfully, because I help people do this, I, I knew, you know, I wasn't exactly walking the walk when I, when I um, did the partnerships, but I knew pretty soon after that I had to do something to dissolve them, and I did. But I could have saved myself and probably the other party a lot of pain and grief and probably some money had I listened to my intuition. Okay, find the right partner. Don't avoid investing the the time and the money to create a fair and equitable contract either. You know, so many people say, well, we'll get a contract going, and then it's two or three years later, there's no contract, they're fighting over the business, and the whole thing just goes up bust, okay? Um, And remember, too, that maintaining 51% share of your business, um, you know, that's not really a safety net. I advise that you maintain at least that much, but here's the thing. If you're not ready to share your business and you're not ready to lose your business, don't take on a partner. I know that sounds goofy, but you've got to know what the risk is. Just like they say, don't gamble money that you're not ready to lose. Not saying you will lose it by any stretch, but don't gamble anything that you're not ready to lose. And when you give somebody equity share in your business, that is what you're doing. All right. So understand that. Go to an attorney, really hammer things out and understand what it is that you're agreeing to. Make sure there are loopholes for both sides. Again, make it fair and equitable. So be careful in those partnerships, whether they're business relationships, outside partnerships, or a co-founder or somebody. You know, I had a, a client the other day fearful that she was going to lose one of her most critical employees. And she said, I think I'll offer her equity in the company. And I said, why in the world would you want to give equity to a company who equity to someone, you know, who is thinking about leaving your company? No, why would you do that? That is just never a good idea. Don't don't try and lure people in with equity. Just not smart. Okay, here's the final one, number seven, not seeking out mentors and coaches. We all need mentors and coaches. I have mentors and coaches. And and notice I'm saying plural. Okay, I have different coaches I work with for different things. And it's so important. Listen up. You do not have to do this alone. In fact, you really shouldn't do this alone. Now, I just got done telling you to be careful of partnerships, and now I'm saying don't do it alone. Okay, a really great coach, someone you truly resonate with, is going to help you. Mentors, especially industry experts, wow, they are priceless. Sadly, 
Most entrepreneurs don't set out to find a coach until they've been in business long enough to make some of these devastating mistakes, okay? And now they're hurting. And they don't take the time to follow successful, inspirational industry leaders. You've got to surround yourself with experts. And again, my old pal Henry Ford is a great example of that. He didn't have all the answers, and he knew he didn't have all the answers. But he also knew that he could get the answer to just about anything within seconds because he surrounded himself with niche experts. Okay, surround yourself with people who inspire you. Look around, see who you hang out with. Do they inspire you? Maybe you don't have a choice with your family, but you do have a choice with your friends and your mentors and your peers. You do. Read books of people who inspire you. Watch their videos. Inc. is a great resource for that. Inc.com, Inc. Magazine. Wow, tons of amazing videos on that site from, from our nations, our world's greatest leaders. Okay, watch those videos. Learn from people's mistakes. Great leaders are going to share their mistakes. They're going to help you to prevent mistakes. They don't want you to walk in their shoes in terms of the, the devastation that they've left in their quake, okay? They want you to achieve the success. They want you to be one of them. Remember that. So again, if you would like to share your mistakes and what you've learned from them, go to Inc.com and check out my article, Seven Devastating Startup Mistakes That Can Be Avoided, Inc.com slash author slash Marla hyphen Tabaka. Share the article and go on down into the comments sections, which is way, way down at the bottom of the page, and help, help me teach people, inspire people. Leave your comments, leave your experiences there for people to see. I look forward to talking to you next week here on TogiNet's Million Dollar Mindset. And I thank you so much for being here with me today. I hope that you all have an amazing week ahead and that in some small way this was able to, this show was able to help you to think and uh, make a difference in your life. Wishing you the best week. This is Marla Tabaka. Thank you for being a part of the Million Dollar Mindset with Marla Tabaka from Toginet. If you've always known there was more out there for you, but you just weren't sure how to get there, and